Hello, everybody, and welcome to In the Know, the Coloradoans' weekly podcast. My name is Kevin Dugan. I'm a senior reporter and a columnist for the Coloradoan and cover a variety of topics. My specialty, if indeed I have one, is local government, in particular, the city of Fort Collins. In the Know is my first attempt at podcasting. I've been a fan of radio news programming that goes beyond the headlines for many, many years. More recently, I've become interested in podcasts, thanks primarily to my daughters exposing me to thought-provoking programs such as S-Town, Presidential, Stuff You Missed in History Class, and just for fun, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I listen to podcasts when I'm driving long distances, but I understand others enjoy them while walking or commuting to or from work. We hope that you will make In the Know part of your routine. I'm excited about the possibilities for this podcast. It will be produced each week by either myself or a reporter, Saja Hindi, who covers politics and public safety for the Coloradoan, or Aaron Udell, whose reporting covers local history, entertainment, fun things to do and places to go in northern Colorado, and parades involving any breed of small dog. But we'll tell you what you need to know about the Coloradoans' most read stories. We'll also take you behind the scenes with reporters who cover major topics and look ahead to what important stories are coming in the week ahead. My colleague, Cassa Niedringhaus, will be joining me this week to discuss a couple of her stories, including one looking into domestic violence in Larimer County and Fort Collins that will be published shortly on coloradoan.com and appear in the print version of the Coloradoan on Sunday. The most read story on the Coloradoan website during the last week was about a car crash Thursday evening that took the lives of 17-year-old Joshua Cortez and his mother, Kelly Cortez. Police said Joshua Cortez was driving southbound on Giddings Road with his mother in a 94 Honda Accord when the car was hit on the passenger side by an 85 Chevy Corvette traveling east on Richards Lake Road. The wreckage wound up in a field southeast of the intersection, which is west of the Anheuser-Busch Brewery. Joshua and Kelly Cortez died at the scene. The driver of the Corvette and passenger in that car were taken to area hospitals. They have since been released. Josh Cortez was a junior at Pooter High School and a member of the school's football and wrestling teams. The football team honored him during its Friday night playoff game against Pomona High School in Arvada. His jersey number, 66, was stenciled onto players' wristbands and shoes. Players also had commemorative stickers on their helmets. Sports reporter Kevin Lytle's story about that emotional game was another one of the Coloradoans' top stories last week. Here's Cassa Niedringhaus, who reported on the story initially. So, Cassa, thanks for joining us today. Do you have any updates on this crash story? Yeah, I do. So I checked in with city and county traffic engineers this week because the intersection is right on Fort Collins city limits. Part of the intersection is under city jurisdiction and part of the intersection is under county jurisdiction. So I spoke at length with some county engineers who are saying that they do audits of intersections in the county each year. And so at the beginning of the year, sometime in the spring, they'll take data and they'll compile data from the previous year as well as the two years before that. And they'll look for any 
patterns and identify which intersections they think are most dangerous. Then they'll go audit those intersections and recommend various improvements. Audits are also triggered by crashes. So in this case, because there was a serious crash that resulted in fatalities at this intersection, they're doing an audit at a different time this year. Um, so both city and county engineers are going to go out to the intersection and they're going to assess um, the intersection. They're going to look at various factors that might be at play when people are driving there and then they're going to look into different measures that might make it safer. I saw a lot of people suggesting that they think a flashing red light above a stop sign would be a helpful implement there, um, but engineers are a little hesitant to say that they would do that at that intersection because they said they don't want to train people into thinking they only need to pay attention to signs with flashing lights. So they're pretty careful when they do that. But there are other measures that they might look at, like adding bigger stop signs or adding more signs in the area or adding something like rumble strips or some kind of markings on the pavement to make that intersection safer. Thanks, Cassa. Stories about Colorado State University's football game against Boise State also were heavily read last week. The game started at 8.30 p.m. Saturday, and many fans who weren't at the game might have gone to bed early with the Rams still ahead. They must have been shocked to learn Sunday morning that CSU lost 59-52 in overtime. Sports reporter Kelly Lyle's analysis of the game and the Rams' shortcomings scored plenty of attention among readers and, as one might expect, lots of comments on the Coloradoans' website and Facebook page. Another reader favorite last week was reporter J.C. Marmaduke's story on predictions for a relatively mild winter in Fort Collins without a lot of major snowstorms because of the La Nina weather phenomenon. For what it's worth, December is typically the coldest month in Fort Collins, according to the National Weather Service, and one of the snowiest. The most snow tends to come in March, with an average of more than 12 inches. April also has been known to deliver some major snowstorms. You can find all of these stories and more on coloradoan.com. Looking ahead to upcoming Coloradoan stories, Cass is here again to tell us about her story on domestic violence. So Cass, why did you do this story? We on the Breaking News team were covering various cases over the last few months and we realized that a lot of these cases were stemming from domestic violence and we wanted to figure out ways that we could share more information about what domestic violence is and what resources are available in the community. So we covered two different jury trials in recent months that were first degree murder trials that ended in convictions and that stemmed from domestic violence. And then most recently we covered the shooting over at CSU where police say a man laid in wait in the parking lot with various guns and ambushed his girlfriend and two others and shot them when they arrived in the parking lot. So we had a lot of people during that case saying, how do you know this is domestic violence? And so the act of violence against a partner is domestic violence. And so that's why we wanted to provide more information about, you know, basic definitions of domestic violence. How does the state define it? How do advocates define it? And what does it look like in our community? Another reason we wanted to write about domestic violence is we had people saying domestic violence doesn't happen here. Fort Collins is insulated from that. That's not something we have to worry about. But we understand that it happens every day throughout the county. So we wanted to be able to say this is what it looks like. And if it's happening to you or somebody you know, this is how you can get help. In the course of working on the story, what surprised you? What, what did you not expect to find? 
So I was surprised by the numbers to begin with. So although I knew that domestic violence was happening fairly frequently here in Larimer County, once I actually had the numbers in front of me, I was pretty surprised by how many people this is affecting. So we were able to get numbers from court cases, and we found that more than one in 10 criminal cases in Larimer County involve some kind of domestic violence. And so on average over the past five years, that's been 720 cases per year that have involved some kind of form of domestic violence. And then even just last month alone, I totaled it up and 75 people were arrested in some kind of incident the police say involved domestic violence as well. And another thing we're finding is that a lot of these cases aren't being charged or aren't being prosecuted because they're not coming to law enforcement's attention. A lot of crimes aren't being reported. So national numbers say that one in four women and one in seven men are going to experience some kind of severe physical violence from an intimate partner in their lifetimes. National numbers also say that 10 million people across the U.S. are going to be abused by a partner each year. So it's happening a lot, it's happening here, and it's happening even more than criminal numbers are indicating. On Tuesday, we had a News and Brews event sponsored by the Coloradoan about domestic violence. And we had a panel uh, that spoke from various agencies, that, representatives that spoke about the issue. And one of them talked about the categories of abuse. Uh, perhaps people aren't aware of that. Uh, could you tell us what those are? Yeah, so that's one of the common misconceptions about domestic violence is that it's just physical, but there are a lot of other types of abuse that perpetrators are going to be inflicting on their victims, on their partners, to maintain power and control. So there's also emotional abuse and sexual abuse and financial abuse. So that's one that people might not think of, but especially in a situation where partners are either living together or married, control of the finances can really control a person's life. This, of course, is a very heavy and serious topic. What's it like for you as a reporter to, to work on these kind of stories? It can be pretty difficult, especially in the initial unfolding stages of a crime. So I went to the scene of the shooting by CSU, and it was really tough to be there and kind of experience it along with the first responders. Of course, I don't mean to say that I'm a first responder, that I'm in the scene as much as they are, but it, it definitely takes an emotional toll to experience firsthand what's happening to people here in Larimer County. It was also pretty emotionally draining to cover the murder trials that we did to see all the evidence presented and to see uh, you know all the testimony is pretty emotionally draining um, and, but it also gives me kind of a renewed purpose in my work with the Coloradoans so that's why we wanted to host the Bruise and News panel about domestic violence it's why we want to continue writing about domestic violence because there are a lot of misconceptions that we're seeing there's a lot of misinformation and people not understanding what warning signs of domestic violence look like and so we really want to be able to moving forward provide more information and provide that educational opportunity for people in the community and hopefully do our part in helping to prevent it. Thanks Casa. Here are some sound clips from that Bruise and News event which was quite powerful. First, you'll hear from Barbara Dean of Crossroads Safe House, and then Britta Clay from Fort Collins Police Services. Yeah, so we at Crossroads use a pretty simple definition um, because it is such a broad and wide range of things that could happen. As you said, it's not just going to be like those three cases. Um, it could be a lot of different things, and it could be really 
really difficult to identify. Uh, so the definition that we use is intimate partner violence or domestic violence is when one person attempts to have power and control over another person in an intimate partner relationship. So basically what that means is someone is using power and control to gain or maintain that relationship and that power. It's empowered too many times. <laughs> Typically say so for teens, so young, um, young people, one in three people will experience dating violence in their lifetime. One in four women will experience state, um, domestic violence in their lifetime. And I think we're saying one in seven men right now? Yeah, so it's happening for sure. I see. Uh, it's definitely happening. And it is one of those things where we often want to say, it's not happening for us. Or doesn't that happen in other cities, in bigger cities? Uh, we have a 26 bedroom shelter, uh, and more than not, our rooms are needed. Uh, we have people who are looking for safe places to stay. Is, is, you know, space can sometimes be something that we have to worry about. The other thing I'll say is DV does not discriminate. So some people will say, well, they have so much money or they're so successful that can't be happening. It absolutely does not discriminate. It happens in, in every, every population and culture and, uh, I mean, it's everywhere. So a lot of the times we kind of turn the other way thinking, there's no way that's happening in that relationship. Potentially it is. You know, there's there's signs and there's things you can look for and there's ways to reach out and for you to get help to, to say, how can I reach out to my friend? I think this is what's happening. So just keep in mind that it is, it is everywhere. Well, that's a wrap for this week's segment of In the Know. Thanks to Cassa Niedring House for being a good sport and joining me. Thanks also to Erin Udell for her help in producing this segment and showing me the ropes. It's always nice to have someone around who knows what they're doing. In the Know can be found online at coloradoin.com, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think. You can find our contact information online at coloradoin.com. I'm Kevin Dugan. Thanks for listening.